So let's uh, turn to Romans chapter 8. We're going to read a section of verses in the middle. Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 14. Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together." For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the children of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience Wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. But he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Let's stop our reading here at verse 31 in Romans chapter 8. Not an easy passage to understand all the language that's described, but I trust with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and expounding on the word, you'll be able to understand it better than just the plain reading. A number of weeks ago, I think it's maybe probably more than a month ago, I noticed uh, in our home we had trouble with our fridge. 
the freezer portion of it seemed to not properly be working. It, it was getting a little warm. It wasn't keeping things frozen, but sometimes it was. It was sort of an intermittent thing. So, how, well, is it really a problem or is it just my perception? So using some diagnostic things, uh, measuring the temperature over time and, and various things like that, we determined that, yeah, it's, it's, it's not working right. And then it died uh, entirely. And it was frustrating that something that's a basic household item um, it wasn't that old. I didn't think it should have this problem uh, so soon. Um, called a, t- a technician on the phone to try to get a sense of what might uh, the problem be. And I wasn't really... Uh, I found his answers were not very helpful. And with further research, found out that actually some of the answers were actually wrong, steering me in the wrong direction. Uh, ultimately, thankfully, as I committed it also to the Lord, he directed me towards a, su- a solution to buy the correct electronic part at a very reasonable price and got it working again. But the whole experience was sort of long and drawn out and frustrating, not only for me, but for others in the family, because we didn't have use of that particular fridge for that time. And sort of wondering, why does this have to happen? Why do we have to have this distraction in our life? And why did it have to take so long to find uh, the solution and so forth? The reality is we live in a world where things break. And that's a relatively minor uh, situation. There's things that we've all experienced that are much more serious, maybe much more costly. Uh, Maybe it was an expensive car repair that uh, was really a problem for you or or an expensive problem in your home that needed uh, to be uh, dealt with. Uh, and so forth. Or it may be even worse, uh, an, an expensive or, or a costly and not only monetary terms, health issue that really interrupts your life. We live in a world where things are broken and not functioning the way God initially intended to be. And this word brokenness has sort of a term that seems to have developed over, I'm not sure how many years, as I don't remember it, you know, 35 years ago or so when I was converted, I don't remember hearing so much of that term brokenness. So I'm not sure how it developed into more common use in Christian circles, but the way I understand it, it's this word, it's sort of a catch-all phrase that describes everything that isn't working right. Uh, Other uh, synonyms in this aspect is is things that are imperfect or dysfunctional in some way. Just this aspect of things are not as they should be. And our text this morning contains a number of descriptive words that sort of graphically describe this element of brokenness. Take a look at them. Verse 20. The creature was made subject to vanity. Vanity is a word that is used a number of times in the scripture that gets at this element of brokenness, something that's futility, futile, worthless, or doesn't last very long. Um, Or in this case, the more direct uh, application would be depravity. The creature, meaning God created us, and we became subject to depravity through the first disobedience of Adam and Eve in the garden. And Since then, all of humanity has been subject to the brokenness of sin uh, and all that has come because of the curse uh, of sin that has happened. Other descriptive words, there's more in this message, of course, in in this verse that we'll get back to uh, later on. Verse 21, this, this phrase, bondage of corruption. That's a very descriptive phrase. It also fits under this umbrella of brokenness. 
that there is a, a sense of bondage that we can't get out of this cycle of brokenness or corruption. Things break down, things fail, things don't last, things don't always work properly. Verse 22, groaneth and travaileth in pain. That's this sense of frustration that we feel because of the condition uh, that we are in. Uh, that's the whole creation groaning. But then the Apostle Paul says, but it's not only out there, the whole creation groaning. Within ourselves, we feel this frustration. Verse 23, we groan within ourselves, even though we are believers and are, have been redeemed and saved. Uh, and so forth. There is still this element of brokenness that we groan about, waiting for something to resolve this in the future. And we'll talk about that future hope. Another uh, verse that speaks to this is verse 26, this word infirmities, weaknesses, and then other uh, words in the Bible that describe get this idea of, uh, it could be sickness, uh, Paul refers to a particular time in his life, a, a thorn in the flesh, um, he also writes a lot about the flesh, uh, carnal, faults, sins, and so forth. So I think by now you have a, an idea of what this uh, all means. But sometimes, or often we may see this more outside of ourselves rather than inside. We think the brokenness and things that are problems, they're out there. They're happening to the people that I'm interacting with or the systems or whatever that I'm interacting with. And we fail to see it in ourselves. So in that sense, even our self-recognition is broken. That is, of how broken we are and the kinds of solutions that we actually need. We think we're okay to a certain degree. Now, I also want to differentiate between what I'll call God-designed limitations that are innately human as how he's designed us. We are, we are in the image of God, but we are not obviously God. And so we are not perfect. We have limitations. There's things that we don't know. There's things that we need to figure out, and it takes time to figure out, and so forth. And these are God-designed human limitations that Adam and Eve had in the garden uh, as well. And that's not necessarily brokenness due to the fall or due to sin. But in a sense, there's a continuum. If you look at from one end of a spectrum to another... Is this element of human weakness, and then moving forward or, or along this continuum is element of maybe a dysfunction and and brokenness because of sin, but it might not be overt sin or or intentional sin, and then along the continuum into actual intentional sin, where you hurt somebody or you steal something or or sin against God in in some uh, obvious way. So you sort of see this continuum of brokenness, shall we say? Now, I have a, an object lesson here that can help maybe some of the children visualize this, but it might be helpful for adults as well. Uh, the Bible speaks of us sometimes as pots. We are, just want to make sure this is on, yeah. Uh, we are vessels. And so this is a, a vessel, it's an earthen vessel uh, that can describe us. And uh, I guess maybe this is so well come here. Um, and you might think, well, this is a reasonable-looking pot. You know, it's not the prettiest thing. It looks it has some, some blemishes and so forth. But for the most part, it, it looks quite good. But to a large degree, a lot of the brokenness that we have is inside. And it's not directly visible. 
And things that have happened to us or things that we do are this element of uh, brokenness. And so if we look inside this person, there are some broken pieces. Even when you think of a child, well, what kind of broken pieces do I have? Well, this may represent the time when you lied to your parents. That's an element of brokenness. Or what about the time maybe when you fought with your sibling and you hurt them? There's, there's this element of brokenness that now you're influencing somebody else and causing hurt and brokenness in, in their life. Um, numerous other examples, right? Uh, maybe there's something that has been done to you. You have been bullied as a child, and you still carry those scars, and it's painful. And that is something that's in you. That's, most people don't see that, but that is part of who you've become in a sense. And then, not only that, then, it, it, maybe now that you're bigger, you are participating in bullying somebody else. Because now you're in a place of power and influence and control, and this is the broken way in which you exercise that, hurting other people. But as we get older, of course, there's more. Life gets more complicated. This one could represent a broken romantic relationship. Or maybe multiple broken romantic relationships. Maybe that should have never happened in the first place, but got developed and you became entangled in something that should have never been. And now there's broken pieces in your life. How about that? There's all kinds, right? There's, um, it, it can get really complicated. Maybe this one represents something much bigger. Maybe you've participated uh, in an abortion or really hurt somebody bad, that, that's permanent, that can never be reversed. There is forgiveness, there is hope, we'll get to that, the gospel, I don't want you to despair, but the fact is there are some things that you have done in your life that can never be reversed. And others carry, maybe feel those consequences as well as yourself. You know, broken relationships such as divorce is another one that may fit if in that category. But there's lots more, right? There's uncommunicated expectations. Maybe that's not really a sin, but it's this aspect of you're expecting something to happen in a relationship and you haven't really communicated it. You, you, you thought that it should just be known and assumed. Or maybe it's an unrealistic expectation because of the brokenness of how you see or expect life. That that's, It's not even realistic to think that or expect that. But yet in some way you do and it affects how you live. And how you feel or think about yourself. That moves on to all kinds of things, right? You've got hurts and and grudges and uh, misunderstandings. It can develop into bitterness, unforgiveness that you harbor within yourself. It moves on into uh, desires or long. So this is, in a sense, we can categorize them. So I talked about this area of brokenness in relationships. But then there's a whole other category, and then there's overlap in these, of course, that of uh, brokenness in terms of our desires, our passions, and our longings. These are things that God has created and given to us um, that are intended for good, but because we live in a sinful world, they often get expressed in sinful ways. Covetousness is an example of that. The, lo- the, the greed for money. God has created lots of beautiful things in this world for us to enjoy and to use in 
healthy ways. But if it, if we are covetousness and greedy and selfish and we hoard those things to ourselves and use various, shall we say, maybe unjust means to, to accumulate them or to use them or we use them for control and power in ways that, that are, are broken or are sinful or are damaging and hurting other people. That's an example of sort of a desire that is turned sinful. Then there's the whole area of lust. We live in a world, not only the lust for things, we just talked about that, but the whole area of relationships and sexuality, broken in our world, made very public and and awful. And all kinds of longings and passions within those things that are broken and expressed in unhealthy ways, expressed in unhealthy ways. In destructive ways, some may struggle uh, with the passion of um, uh, an attraction for the same gender as themselves. Others, of course, would have the attraction for the opposite gender. But regardless of whether one or the other, both have expressions of brokenness, and there's tremendous, shall we say, temptations and opportunities for sin in those And we sometimes would categorize certain types of brokenness as worse than others. And in a sense, that might be true. But to a large degree, whether one is broken with one thing or another, it can cause great destruction and keep you from enjoying eternal life with Jesus Christ. And so the whole point is, regardless of what that level of brokenness and sin is that someone is living with or struggling with, with or the temptations that you have, Jesus is the answer. It may be sometimes we may think that, well, if you're a redeemed person, you shouldn't have such kinds of temptations. And we may categorize certain ones. How can you possibly have such a temptation? This, that, or the other thing. As a believer, you shouldn't have that. I don't have those temptations. Why do you? Well, that's, again, a broken way of analyzing it because we're all different and to a certain degree unique. And so the temptations that you may struggle with are maybe a little bit different than the ones that I struggle with. But in general, all humanity struggles with some types of temptations. And Jesus is the answer for them all. And we'll get to what the gospel message is and how that speaks to our brokenness. Not only speaks to it, but provides healing. But beyond that, we're looking at another category now. So we've talked about relationships. We've talked about the areas of of longings and desires and passions. But there's also, of course, broken people create broken systems. People getting together, uh, and that doesn't always function the way it should, right? We have the family is the first system, shall we say. That's a relationship as well. But if that isn't functioning well, and then there's children born in there and raised, and, and parenting methods are broken at times, dysfunctional, not fully addressing what's going on. And, and sometimes maybe as parents, we may be focused on certain types of behaviors, and we're not thinking about what's inside um, we, we want the, the, the certain behavior, what's visible, to appear a certain way or to behave a certain way. We're not recognizing what, what's going on inside the heart that's motivating those kinds of things. And maybe we're not parenting to the heart uh, of the person and we're only parenting to the behaviors. And we're missing uh, something that the Bible, that the gospel speaks to because the gospel is all about the heart. An example of brokenness in marriage and in parenting. 
Um, but of course, there's broken systems that people create. Uh, governments are an example of that. As much as governments are instituted by God and are a, a good institution, the, the, the concept is, but at, there, because there's broken people, some saints, some sinners, operating in various levels and forms of government contributes to a broken system. Um, and so sometimes there's over-regulation or under-regulation or injustice and or justice is not brought upon certain criminals. The criminal justice system tries to uh, as best as it can, but because they can't see into the heart, then they get lawyers involved and in arguing back and forth and sometimes acquitting those that are guilty, even though it may be obvious to some degree that they're guilty, but they weren't able legally to prove it sufficiently. Or even maybe when they are and they enter into the correctional system, uh, the prison system that is also, in a sense, broken, and that maybe they turn worse rather than uh, becoming reformed, especially if Jesus is absent. But in some cases, of course, they meet Jesus in the prison, and that's the place where they need to be in order to meet him. In spite of various elements of brokenness, Jesus is at work. Numerous other areas, even areas as we gather together as a church, we don't function perfectly. And so some elements of that is also broken and can be discouraging and disappointing because we're not perfect and we're not functioning maybe as we hope we could or should. And God wants us to and has the solution, but we haven't discovered it or haven't been diligent enough to find it or apply it. And so things are not always functioning correctly there either. And so forth. Areas of reaching out, broken areas of, of ministering to people or missions or, uh, and so forth. Not a reason to uh, not do it and withhold it because we may see things aren't working properly, but it's working to some degree. And we need to move, move forward uh, in working in the kingdom of God. Not only even if we recognize areas of brokenness, and a lot, a lot we do because we look for solutions, but even the solutions that we either look for or have come across are also somewhat broken and are not fully effective. You know, an, an obvious example of that is many of our brokenness, our ailments are experienced in the body. We feel pain and dysfunction um, and, and so forth. Things don't work right, and so we look for solutions that help that and so there's all sorts of uh, practitioners um, in the medical field and paramedical field and so forth that, that help that. But to a large degree, their solutions are, are, are partial solutions, are somewhat effective, are temporary, and maybe some of them even have very damaging side effects. Maybe the only medical treatment we know for a certain thing, but it's only 20% effective or 50% effective, and it has a long list of possible Damaging side effects, broken solutions, but that's all that we know or all that we have. Sometimes even the motivation to seek for solutions is self-serving because, remember, we got people that are greedy and so forth, and so they may look for solutions that somewhat help that maybe are more beneficial to the solution provider because of the income that it provides rather than actually helping people. And all this mix-up of things, we live in a broken world But Jesus is the only real solution. And our text in this scripture and in uh, other scriptures that we're going to uh, look at here uh, uh, point uh, to that. 
Let's go to about Jesus. He is the only solution. An interesting use of the word broken is that Jesus became broken for us. He entered into our broken world for you. And became broken. Not only did he come here and just sort of provide a solution on a high horse, so to speak, untouched, but he came and he became broken. Uh, The Apostle Paul, when writing about uh, the Lord's Supper, he said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Imagine that. The God who created the universe entered into time and space and became broken so that through his brokenness we could be healed. Isaiah 53 says that very eloquently. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. And so go forth. Numerous expressions. Jesus became broken for you. But another use of the word broken, that the Bible applies it, is broken in repentance. And so as much as you may recognize that there is brokenness within you maybe, or maybe you don't recognize it, because your heart is still hardened. You have a heart here as hard as stone, and you don't recognize your brokenness. And I pray that through the preaching of the word, through the experiences that you live day by day, you would recognize, if this is the condition of your heart, don't stay that way. Harden not your heart. But turn to the Lord In repentance. Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. If that doesn't describe you today, I pray before the end of today that it does describe you, that you turn to the Lord, recognizing your bankruptcy. Whatever you thought is okay is is rags to him. Turn to him in repentance and believe and trust in him as the only solution. You can't do it on your own. Psalm 51 describes that um, as well. You can look it up uh, later. Going back to Romans chapter 8, verse 15 speaks to that. That when you turn to the Lord, what do we receive? We have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. A tremendous gift that we receive by turning to the Lord. And so I encourage you, the gospel invitation, repent and believe and trust in him. But when we come to him, there is this initial healing, there's redemption, you receive forgiveness of sins. But recognize all of these broken pieces that are in you, they do not get healed immediately. God doesn't just cause them all to disappear. And we see that here as we read about it in verse 26, for example. 
the Spirit helps our infirmities. And in verse, uh, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. We live through and with elements of brokenness still, even as saved, redeemed people. We are ushered into relationship with God. We are justified by faith. We are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. We are given power and victory over sin. And we are expected to live that way and given the power to do so. But nevertheless, elements of brokenness still exist. Your body likely isn't going to be healed. Uh, Some cases, the Lord does heal some element of your body. But if you had a broken leg before conversion, that will still take time to heal. If you have a, a, a medical condition, whatever it is, if it's diabetes, that's, that conversion is not going to heal that. That's an element of brokenness and infirmity that you still carry with you. But there is so much more uh, to that. Those scars that have been, been hurt in the past, uh, God gives you grace to offer forgiveness to those that have caused those scars. But those memories and scars would still exist. Likely, some may eventually be forgotten, and there you will be given power to not grow bitter because of them, but become better. Because of them. The healing happens over time. The passions which you had before, you will have power to overcome them, but they will not disappear. You will still be tempted, often with the very same things that you may have been tempted with before. But you will be given power to overcome those things. And grace to live and receive forgiveness when you fall, when you fail. When you stumble. As the body of Christ, we are to present Jesus as the hope of the world. He is the answer, the solution. And now if we look at this element in verse 28. So we talked about the spirit helps our infirmities. He that searches the hearts, that's the spirit. Um, He makes intercession for us, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And so these very broken pieces that the Lord uses, and and you will accumulate new ones in your converted life, things you will experience hurt and disappointment and rejection um, and sin and so forth, those are additional broken pieces that will, in a sense, take place in your life. And the Lord will work through those kinds of situations for his good, as he says, as he works all things together for good. You know, by itself, one of them, how can God use this for good? But he uses it together for good in some way. Look for ways uh, to do that. But in the meantime, of course, we groan. That's what uh, is this statement here in uh, verse 21 and 22 and so forth. Verse 20. Uh, the creature itself, that's the creation, uh, shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Even though today, as redeemed people, we're, there's still this element of bondage of corruption that we are living in. Decay and ruin still happens. But we shall be delivered this future uh, deliverance. And in the meantime, there's this groaning and travailing and pain of why things have to be the way they are. But in the mean, but Jesus provides hope. Psalm 147 verse 3, he healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. Come to Jesus with 
that. And as a body of believers, hopefully, uh, by His grace, may we exercise faithfully the ministry that we have been called to, even as imperfect people ourselves. If you want to follow me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, verse 7 is a beautiful verse. Again, talking about vessels, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. There's something beautiful in weak, frail flesh, which Jesus did, that is marvelous, that demonstrates the power of God in a unique unique way. And so that's why he, he can then say, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. That's the power of God. We are perplexed, but not in despair, because of the power of God and the Holy Spirit working in us. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus may be made manifest, as in revealed in our bodies, in the fact that we are weak and frail and have brokenness. That's tremendous opportunity for God to demonstrate his power through us. And so those are not reasons, whatever your infirmities are, whatever your pains are, whatever your inabilities are, those are not reasons to uh, refrain from engaging in the kingdom of God and ministering to somebody around you. You don't wait until you're all perfect and fully healed and now I'm going to be able to reach out to someone. It's not going to happen in this life. The people that have ministered to you have not been perfect either. Jesus describes his ministry in Luke chapter 4 verse 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. The acceptable time of the Lord is now. Let's turn to him and believe and trust in him. Other elements of this. Uh, Remember I described one uh, expression of of brokenness that the Apostle Paul described was thorn in the flesh. Uh, You can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and we'll take a look at that briefly. And he prayed, he besought the Lord three times that it might depart from him. And he didn't get that as an answer. You know, he would have thought, well, I could probably be more effective in the kingdom of God if I didn't have this thorn in the flesh, whatever it was. You know, this morning, I woke up with a headache. I thought, why why do I have to wake up with a headache on Sunday morning, especially when I have to preach? Like, wouldn't I be able to preach more effectively without the headache? And God has the power to do so, but yet somehow, through the infirmities, or because of it, or in spite of it, I, I don't know. God works anyway to deliver, hopefully, a meaningful message. And he says, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities, the fact that I am weak. Boast in the fact that I am weak, because that's when I am strong, he says. God's presence in my in my brokenness not my perfect performance that is my hope and glory we are carrying the treasure of the gospel in jars of clay so to speak and so verse 28 we know that all things work together for good that includes brokenness and all the expressions thereof god will work through that not that he wants us to sin and then say okay god how are you going to use this sin you're going to use all things so use this too that That's a wrong reading of the scriptures. There's never an excuse for intentional sin. 
and then saying to God, okay, God, how are you going to use this? Fix this. Um, there are consequences to sin. And yes, God works through uh, even people's sins, but that's not the intent, of course, of how we are to live. But there is another statement here of surety of the kind of people we are becoming. Because remember, we are in transition, shall we say. There is ongoing sanctification that is happening. Um, and there is a certainty uh, to that that we have read about in verse 29 to 31. And I don't have the ability or the time to fully expound uh, on these verses here. But they're connected to verse 28 uh, in, in a sense, asking, answering the question, how do we know that God can work all things together for good? And the Apostle Paul says, well, look at how things have happened in the past. For whom God, he did foreknow, those whom he knew in the past, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. And those are the ones that he called and justified and glorified. In the past tense, those are what he, that's what he has done for those in the past. We can have assurance that he will do the same for us. Ephesians uh, chapter 1 speaks to this um, as well. But notice what the predestination is. The predestination is not predestined to be saved. It's predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Those that are saved are predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. He says that also in verse 11, chapter 1 of Ephesians. In whom we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him, who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. That connects to verse 28. He can work all things together for good after the counsel of his own will. To, to what end? That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. There is a certainty of this hope that we have as the believer that all those who remain in Christ, Jesus says that very clearly about the vine, abide in me. And I abide in you, you will become fruitful. If you don't abide, you won't be fruitful, you'll be cut off. But finally, getting to this end of what kind of vessel are we going to look like? Ephesians, uh, sorry, the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 2.20 has this verse here. As we're conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, another verse about pots. Um, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold... And of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. All array of vessels, some for common use, some for glorious use. And we have a participation in what kind of use we have as a vessel, as he says in the next verse. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified. So here's a vessel that is beautiful. Artwork here. In a sense, this could represent the beauty that we shall become on the way and fully completed in eternity. Not only on the outside, but also beautiful and clean on the inside. No more broken pieces. No more uh, shattered uh, things that have caused destruction or have been hurtful. God will make all things new. Beautiful vessel unto honor. Sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. And so in a certain sense, as believers, we are to become some of this, somewhat like this today on our journey here, so that God can use us all the more and better, and we'll complete that entirely in eternity. May we cling unto this sure hope that the believer has. And for those who do not have that hope, that hope is only found in Jesus. Turn to him 
Amen.